Hello and welcome to the Convex Conversation with me, broadcaster Helen Fospero. This week I'm in London's Cadogan Gardens to meet an entrepreneur I've long admired from afar. Margot Moroni is a top businesswoman, pharmacist, homeopath, shaman, yogi and former CEO. She co-founded the Organic Pharmacy 20 years ago, at a time when the vast majority of us were sceptical about natural products, questioning whether they worked, and when organic anything wasn't widely available. Now, in the UK alone, the certified natural and organic beauty products market is worth a conservative £138 million, and the global market value is expected to reach £50 billion by 2027. Influenced by her Iranian roots, Margot has always believed in a nature-with-nurture approach to health, and building on her own passion for wellness of the skin, body and mind, she grew a successful, inspirational brand from the ground up, forging a new way of thinking. Margot, we have a very special mutual friend, performance coach Ruben Tabares, who's known you for a long, long time, and I cannot believe this is the first time we've actually got together. Honestly, Helen, I can't believe it either. I'm so glad that Ruben is the one that has introduced us. He's so inspirational and he just fills you with his passion and all of his energy, which is amazing. So I'm thrilled to be meeting you today. Well, it's lovely to meet you. And we're in your new flagship store. But as the crow flies, we really are just a very short hop and a skip from where your first shop was back in 2002 on the King's Road presumably this area is quite special for you, is it? It's very, very special. So I went to school just locally in Francis Holland, which seems like an eternity ago. I think if my memory serves me right, was 45 years ago. Oh my goodness. Um, And then from there, I went to uni, also on the King's Road, School of Pharmacy, was based on Manresa Road, which is long since gone now. And so to open my first store on the King's Road was just like a dream. So this really is your hood, isn't it, Chelsea? (laughs) It is, and I love it. Do you pinch yourself sometimes that from those humble beginnings, i.e. one shop, not Chelsea, because I think it'd be wrong to describe Chelsea as humble. It's such a beautiful, beautiful neighbourhood. But that you've grown the organic pharmacy into a global brand and that you have a presence now in more than 40 countries worldwide. I pinch myself every day. Sometimes I can't actually believe it. It's almost like it's happened to someone else. But I think the most important thing really was the journey. That's really the inspirational thing. And for me, the organic pharmacy was always about touching people. And that was the best part of it is still some of the clients and ladies and gents who I see today. And it's that personal connection, which I found was the most special thing. Before we talk about the journey and your vision, just for those who perhaps aren't familiar with the brand, give us your version of what the organic pharmacy is. It's quite difficult to describe, but I'd say that it's a healing centre. Really what I wanted was the wellness so that you could come and, and discover how to heal your mind and body. I studied pharmacy, specialised in herbal medicine. And I was always looking for the natural way to help people feel better. And through regular pharmacy, that's quite a difficult thing to do. So I was always classed as the weird pharmacist (laughs) because I was always looking at herbs and batch flower remedies and aromatherapy and and homeopathic remedies. And I was self-teaching myself all of that. And one day I decided, I read a book by Dr. Batch, who's famous for the flower essences. And he said that all disease starts in the mind. 
And I thought, well, how is that possible? How can all disease start in the mind? When I was taught that everything is physical, and if you treat the physical, then you can cure it. I, I'm using inverted fingers. And I read more about Dr. Bash, and I realized that he was a homeopath. And I thought, oh, I, I wonder what this homeopathy is. At, at uni, I was taught that homeopathy was mumbo jumbo, had no science, and was ridiculous. So with that mindset, I started on a journey of discovering what homeopathy was. It changed my life completely, the way I viewed disease, the way I viewed everything. And that really is the roots of the organic pharmacy is homeopathy, herbs, diet, supplementation, and treating the mind, body, and spirit. So how did homeopathy change your view? It sounds like it had a very powerful effect on your thinking. Super powerful, Helen. I think it taught me, first of all, that what you see on the surface is just on the surface and that you have to dig deeper. So whereas in regular pharmacy or traditional pharmacy, we treat everyone who has heart disease with the same remedies or, or medicine. And I'm not anti-medicine at all. So I'm not saying, you know, you should go home and stop taking. Please don't. What I am saying is that homeopathy treats everyone as an individual. We're all unique and we've all had different journeys. So it very much brings in how we emotionally feel. So I don't know if you've ever had a cold or a flu and you cry for no reason. And yeah, you feel yeah, depressed yeah, you feel and sad. And low and, yeah. yeah. So homeopathy takes all of that into consideration. It takes how you feel, whether you, you want to cry or whether you want to shut yourself away. It takes all of your unique symptoms brings it together and therefore your prescription is unique. And that's what I love about it. So go back 20 years when, as I said in the introduction, organic food wasn't particularly a big thing on the shelves. We were spraying ourselves with chemical everything and there was a whole raft of natural deodorants out there that didn't work. What was your vision? Because I think that was quite a brave vision 20 years ago. What did you want to create when you started the business? I really had no choice. It was a path that was given to me and I was very, very passionate about it. There was nothing that could take me off that path because I believed in it so much. I believe that every single consumer has the right to choose what they use, but it needs to be an informed choice. So back in those days, computers was a new thing. Mobile phones were the kind that you press the button five times to get the letter C. Um, <laughs> I'm nodding because I'm the same age as you, so that's all resonating. <laughs> there was no internet. No. There was nothing. You couldn't Google something. It literally was word of mouth and information. And for me, when I found out that our food was sprayed with poisons, by that I mean pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, when I found out that the ingredients that we put on our skin was full of toxic things like parabens and estrogen disrupting ingredients and formaldehyde. And, and I, I just sat there and I thought, why doesn't anyone know about this? How can we live in a society where people are not informed about this? And all I wanted to do was offer them an informed choice, but also products that, as you rightly say, back in the day, Nobody wanted to use organic because it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't always work, did it, back in the day? Didn't work. Smelt like, you know, curry and was just horrible. As a woman, I wanted to use products that felt great, that you could put on your skin that worked and, and you got results and it made you feel better. 
So really, it was bringing all of that together in the organic pharmacy where I had this free rain playground where I could do anything. So you really were a pioneer, weren't you? Well, thank you for saying that. I like to think so, but I don't know. And and what was that journey like once you started? Where did it take you? It was really tough to begin with, as all new businesses are. Nobody really understood what I was thinking, what I wanted to do. And it took a lot of sacrifice. I had a four-year-old back then. And I'd just given birth to my son, who was two months old when we first opened the store. As a woman, we always think, oh my God, how am I going to do this? But you just get on with it and do it. And you almost go into this sort of autopilot situation where you're just doing. Uh, And I remember it was very, very tough because we did seven day weeks and 15 hour days juggling home, children, work. But at the same time, it was amazing because it was what we love to do. And did it start taking off early doors? It did. It was really, really tough. And I'm I'm going to share with you a really funny story with an accountant I had. And this is for all the entrepreneurs who want to give up. He came in to do our books. He looked at my accounts. I think it was in the first three months. He looked at the numbers and he looked at me and he said, why are you doing this? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, you could be making so much more money as a pharmacist. Why are you doing this? He said, you're not going to make it. You won't last for six more months. And I thought, oh God. I came home and I thought, why am I doing this? Maybe he's right. Maybe I should just give up. Something in me just went, no, you don't know what you're talking about. And literally the next month we had a piece in one of the magazines and then the phones wouldn't stop ringing. People were flooding in. So it's just, there are times when you do want to give up when it's really tough, when you're thinking, how am I going to survive? But you actually do as long as you're passionate and on the right path. Your passion really shines through. What was the tipping point where you suddenly realised that you needed to expand and you could Mm. expand? The honest answer, Helen, is not probably what everyone expects. So I started the business with my ex-husband, who's a really wonderful man. And he was the ambitious one. I just wanted to do what I was doing. So I just wanted to heal people. That's all I was interested in. Whereas his vision was to expand. And so it was actually a really great balance between us, which worked really, really well. And I think that it was in 2004 when He basically said, right, you've got to stop being behind the counter, serving people, like healing people. You've got to find a team to do it. And that was really difficult to let go. But obviously it was the right thing to do. It was. I'm sure you won't mind me saying that you're mid-50s now. Well, we are exactly the same age. Your skin is glowing. You look a beacon of health. But it wasn't always that way. I mean, you were a great example of how using the right things and taking away the toxicity and the chemicals really work. Because I think I've read an article saying that in your 20s, you had a poor complexion. How has it changed you, Margot, and made you feel well having all this knowledge and, and learning? Gosh, so in my 20s, I was in really poor health. Didn't look after myself properly. I had hormonal issues. So there was acne and fibroids, urinary tract infections. It was just not a pretty situation. In my 50s right now, I have more energy and I feel better than I did in my 20s, which is so crazy. 
but it's not rocket science. You eat well, you look after yourself, you're mindful, you take care of your body and your mind and, and the rest just follows through. So using homeopathy, doing the right treatments, eating the right foods, cleansing the body, these are all basic things. Does it surprise you that all these years on, things like picking up an apple in the supermarket and knowing that it's sprayed with chemicals, I probably bore my friends because just because you can't taste it, I worry about all that kind of thing. And I try and eat organically as possible where I can, but also it's not cheap to eat the best food that hasn't been mass produced. Does it surprise you that all these years on, we are still in that situation where there's lots of sickness and illness through the world, but we are still, as a society, ingesting a lot of poisons and chemicals on a daily basis? It completely shocks me, Helen. We should be so much more aware. And anyone who always comes to me with problems or health problems, I always say, what are you eating? That's the very basic fundamentals of what we do. So if you're buying an apple that's been sprayed 16 times, which it is, with poisons, you're ingesting those poisons. If you're drinking tap water, it's full of hormones and chemicals, you're putting poison into your body. These are things that we can avoid so easily just by switching to organic. And to your point of it costs more, raw material costs more. So an organic apple costs more, but we should be consuming less. So we shouldn't be consuming huge amounts and huge volumes. Less, better quality is much better for us. So for example, for sure, an organic steak is three times the price, but have it once a fortnight instead of three times a week, because these things, we should be consuming less meat anyway. And I'm a huge advocate for a plant-based diet most of the time, because we're reducing inflammation in our body. And inflammation is the root of everything. So if we can reduce inflammation in our body by reducing sugar, by reducing meat, by reducing all the sort of refined carbohydrates, then that's already the basis of good health. You were born in Iran and lived there, I gather, until you were 11. What influence did your Iranian upbringing have? Take me there. <laughs> God, that was a very, very long time ago. And Iranian people by nature are very in tune with nature. You wouldn't think it now looking at the news, but as a nation, we love nature. So we love to be in nature, go for walks and have a huge respect for nature. So I remember going to the bazaar with my mum and the bazaar, for those of you who don't know, is like the local supermarket. It's like the farmer's market, but it's there every day. So you've got all these different store holders who sell vegetables and fruit and juices and spices and herbs. And the pharmacy there was literally the herbalist. And you'd go to him and say, oh, so-and-so's got a cough and he'd give you a cough mixture or things like that. So I genuinely think that really, really influenced me. Are the bazaars really vibrant in terms of colour and smell? I'm kind of, in, never been to Iran, but I'm envisaging perhaps Marrakesh, something like that. Does it feel like that when you're there? Yeah, it's exactly like that. The only difference I'd say is that it's less touristy. It's actually made for the people as opposed to sort of a tourist destination. The bazaar is, is a very, very important industry in Iran. They are so influential, the Bazaris. They're like the businessmen of Iran. So they command huge respect. Do they? I didn't know yeah, that. Do they? Yeah, huge respect. And so going there is, it's like you've got the silversmith and you've got the goldsmith. It's phenomenal, really fun. 
Did that feel like quite a magical place when you were a little girl? Definitely. It was like going to Disneyland every time we visited. And in your home, were natural remedies used by your grandma and your mom? And did, yeah. was that just the, the natural course of action? If you had anything wrong before you'd go to a doctor, you'd try the natural route first? For sure. I remember my mum used to grate an apple and mix it with rose water for me as a daily tonic. Whenever we had a cough, my grandma used to mix a herbal mixture and give me that. It, it was always the first step. And do you think that's where your fascination and passion stems from? I definitely think that's the beginning. And then the rest of the journey was sort of a natural culmination. So my first job as a Saturday girl was in my local pharmacy. And I used to watch the pharmacist back in those days. Again, we're we're going back a long time. (laughs) Prescriptions were potions, I call them, weren't labelled. So they were called the tonic, the cream. The cough mixture. Really? Yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> and it was it was all handwritten. And was it handmade up? Yes. So I used to watch the pharmacist go off and take five bottles from the different shelf, have the prescription there, herbal prescription from the doctor. And it used to say the cough mixture. And each doctor had his own version of it. So he'd have five different versions from five different doctors, all with different herbal concentrations. And, and that's what he dispense. Gosh, that's amazing. And now you have a state-of-the-art laboratory in London where you fuse nature with nurture. Just explain what that phrase means. It's a beautiful phrase. So science is really, really important to me. And I've always wanted to understand the science behind herbs, behind supplements, behind everything that we do. And nurture is that intention to help people. And when you've got the three together, when you've got the science and you've got the tools and you've got the intention, then that's a very powerful trio. It is. And how do you feel when you're there? Is that quite a special place for you for creating? It's incredible. So every single product that I've ever formulated always starts with an intention. What do I want it to do? Once I've established what I want it to do, then I'll go and pick the remedies and the ingredients and everything has to work together to create that intention or that effect, if you like. And then from there, then comes the trials. So the testing, which is always on myself first. And if if I'm happy with it, then it goes to other humans. (laughs) Other human beings may well test your products. (laughs) And then if they like it, then we then send it off for the lab testing, which is obviously not on animals. We never animal test, but to make sure that it's safe and passes all the regulations. Give us an example of perhaps one of your most iconic products of how it started life, what you mixed together and how it ended up. So back in the day, early, early days, my intention was never to start a skincare brand. That was the furthest thing from my mind. I don't come from a marketing background, so I didn't even know what any of those things meant what brand was, what anything like that was. So it was all very, pardon the pun, organic. And I remember a lady coming in to see me and she'd come in with a skin problem, which was redness. And I'd mixed something for her in the dispensary specifically that really helped calm her redness. And she came back and she said, you know, that cream you made for me, that really worked. Can you now make me a cleanser? And I said to her, what kind of cleanser would you like? So she said, well, I want it to be oily, And I want to be able to just rub it on my skin and then take it off with a cloth. So I said, okay. 
And then I remember standing in the dispensary thinking, right, where do I start? And I thought, well, even as a cleanser, you want something that's healing. So I picked the herbs that I know are healing, like calendula and St. John's wort. And I thought, okay, what else do we want a cleanser to do? We want it to calm anything that's gone throughout the day because we're using it at night. We want it to calm our senses. So I put lavender in it, which was soothing, rosemary, which was decongesting, chamomile, which reduces redness. And then I just brought it all together in, in a lovely, glorious balm that would just nourish the skin as well. And that became carrot butter cleanser. Gosh, that's amazing. And presumably she was very happy with she loved what it. you put together. That was such a great story. I'm going to ask for another one. Give me another example of how you've mixed something and what you've solved with it. This time from a sort of more health point of view. I remember in the early days I was a homeopath and I used to see all the clients. And I noticed that everyone had the same series of symptoms, which was indigestion, tiredness, bloating, insomnia, mood swings, like people would come into the treatment room angry or emotional or upset. And I thought, well, this is a little bit strange. I wonder if I could just clean their body and see what would happen. So I made a powder which had psyllium husks in it. It had clay. It had all the different herbs like burdock, dandelion. And I mixed it in a powder form, which the poor things had to go home and drink, which was <laughs> horrific. You're not selling this one. <laughs> But two weeks later, they came back and I'd sit there and and I'd be looking at them thinking, what's happened to you? Their skin was bright. Their eyes were shiny. They slept better. Indigestion and bloating had gone. They were just a recharged, rebooted human being. And I thought, wow, two weeks of detox and half of their symptoms had gone, which meant that I could then go in with my herbs and homeopathic remedies and bring about a much deeper and faster cure. And because they complained so much about the taste of the powder, I then said, okay, what am I going to do with this? I'm going to put it in a capsule form. And that today is our detox kit, which is a 10-day kit that you can do at home. It's the cornerstone of everything we do. Anytime anyone comes with skin problems, digestion, mood swings, whatever, I say, detox first. Clean your body then we'll go in with the rest of the stuff. How important is detox? Because I think the vast majority of us don't really do that. It's true. The vast majority of us don't do it because we don't know about it. The importance is number one. So first is food. What food are we eating? What are we putting in our bodies? Obviously, mindfulness and dealing with our stress is also important, but it's sort of all together. But without the basic fundamentals, you can't really heal anything. So detox is not my creation. It's as old as time. So centuries uh, old, isn't it, detox? Thousands of centuries. It's it's uh, the cornerstone of Ayurveda is the panchakarma, which is you go in and you clean the body. Naturopathy, the same, you clean the body. The Maya cure, I don't know if you've ever done the Maya cure, but you go in and you clean the body. The Chinese medicine is the same. We all follow the same tradition. Why? Because that's a known wisdom. It's an ancient wisdom. I've just packaged it in a form that's easy for people to use. That's it. That's all I've done. And detoxing our system means we rejuvenate, we reboot, and we allow our body to heal itself. And sometimes, Margot, in the first few days of detox, 
do sometimes you feel a little unwell because the bad things are coming out of the body? Yeah. Is that a natural thing before yeah. you start feeling the benefits and more energy and brighter eyes and brighter skin? Do you have to put up with the the bad stuff coming out of you? Sadly, you do. It's almost a two-way thing. So not only is the bad stuff sort of gotten rid of, which is quite uncomfortable, but also you're also giving up a lot of addictions. So sugar is a huge addiction. Coffee, and I'm not saying you should never drink coffee. You can still have coffee, but someone who's having four or five coffees a day will suffer. So these things are all addictions that we don't even know that we're addicted. It just forms part of our daily routine. So the detox is breaking those routines and creating new ones. And you need 10 days. Ideally, you need 20 days, but 10 days will be long enough to break those and set new habits. And you've been in the lab with Ruben, who we mentioned at the beginning, making supplements, making longevity and performance supplements, which I've actually been taking and I like. Was that a lot of fun putting those together? That was a dream come true. Ruben is such an incredible human, but also very, very knowledgeable performance. I want to say coach, but he's not a coach. He's so much more than that. So Guru, how, I think. Maybe, guru. Yeah. yeah. Guru, I think we could call him. Yeah, we? I think so. I mean, he's trained some of the greatest champions in the world and you can see where they start. They're already champions or they're already very high in their field. He takes them and he just makes them the best that they can possibly be. And these supplements were all about that. It's his knowledge and experience that we've captured into these two incredible bottles, one for performance and one for longevity. And both Ruben and I share the same vision for longevity, which is we reduce inflammation because inflammation is disease. It creates disease and therefore you cannot have longevity without reduction of inflammation. You actually sold the organic pharmacy a a few years back, but are working for them again now. Is it good to be back? And do you feel in a way it's allowed you to look at your brand through completely different eyes? Yeah, I did sell it four years ago. And it was really strange because suddenly I was like, oh, well, who am I now? And that was sort of a, a year's journey of rediscovering who I was which has always been along the healing path. And so I was able to go and discover and do things that I didn't have time to do, which was yoga, more into the shaman tradition, which I find very, very fascinating and healing. And that's taken me all sorts of places. And then coming back was wonderful, really, really wonderful. And it really allowed me to take the brand to another level. For example, the Cadogan Garden store, which is our new flagship and to create this center of healing excellence through the skincare, through the treatments, through biohacking, which is a term that I've just discovered. I've been doing biohacking for a long time. Expound, what's biohacking? So biohacking is basically anything that will enable your body to accelerate in its healing journey. So for example, we've got a full body red light bed. We've got the lymphatic trousers, which you were talking about earlier. We've got a health wave machine that shakes your body into wellness. And of course, all the other treatments that we do that are called biohacks. So, so did you feel in a way that that 20 years, you got young children when you started, I wonder if in some ways it was like being a hamster on a wheel and When you actually sold and stepped away, you were able to pursue your spiritual side and other things. 
But coming back, have you got a whole new take on it and a whole new energy because you've had time to step aside and be you for a while? For sure. Looking at it from a, almost a helicopter view really helped me to see what an incredible, uh, and I say brand, which is not the word I want to use, but what an incredible company it is. And it's been an absolute honor for me to have been on this journey and to be part of everyone's healing process. I don't know as much as I'd like to know about the spiritual side of life. I feel like I'm a spiritual person, but I've yet to explore that area. And although I'm familiar with the term shaman, I don't really know what a shaman is. And that's what you are now. So can you explain, Margot? It's a really interesting term. A shaman is basically anyone who is a healer. I remember a shaman that I work with used the term shepherd. It literally is you're not above or below anyone. You're the same as everyone. And you just bring people together for healing on their journeys. You're part of their healing journeys. And I've always loved different tools. So herbs are a tool for me. Homeopathy is an energetic tool because homeopathy works on the energetic level. Our food, which is the physical level. Treatments, which is also the physical level. But the spiritual, we are actually spiritual beings in human form. And I think every shaman you speak to or any spiritual person, whether it's from the Ayurvedic or the Christian or whatever tradition, everyone is actually saying the same thing. And that's really been a fascinating thing to understand is that we are actually spirit in human form. And when we realize that, then everything changes in terms of what we have access to. How did life change for you? Because I would imagine most of us are jiggling lots of balls, whether that's work, children, all sorts of different things, keeping our heads above water in an economic crisis, et cetera, et cetera. And there's very little time. I always find this if I squeeze in a yoga class, which I don't do often enough. But there's very little time to be at one with yourself. How did it affect you once you had that time to become a shaman and to embrace your spiritual side, how has it improved your world and, and your daily life? The term you used, hamster on a wheel, was, was exactly the right thing. You are quite often a hamster. I was a hamster on a wheel, running around, being busy, being a mum, running a business, running a family. You literally are. And, and the one thing that got sacrificed was me. And that really was during that period that's what I had time for. I had time for me. And so showing up on my yoga mat every day was my spiritual practice, which transformed me, completely transformed me. It made space. And I, I urge to anyone who's listening, please find five minutes of green time, just in your lunch break or whatever, just go and sit in a park for five minutes and do nothing literally nothing. Just look around you and start to enjoy the area that you're in. I went to an Indian retreat, a detox retreat in India, and that's what they taught us. No phones, no books. You just had to sit there and look at nature. And it's amazing what you start to see. Things, birds, you look at leaves, you look at the sky, you start to look at the world around you and you actually start to see it as opposed to being too busy running around, looking at our phones. or And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. There's just a balance. You just need to find that balance. And I think I became so grateful. And again, gratitude practice is such a 
powerful spiritual tool where you just say three things every day that you're grateful for. Doesn't need to be anything big. It could be, I'm grateful that it's raining today. I'm grateful that the sun is shining. I'm grateful for my cup of tea. Literally anything. And soon you start to think, oh, wow, life is good. It's funny that you mentioned raining because it's absolutely pouring with rain outside. I've always loved rain, but it means even more now. I was lucky enough to go to Africa for the first time. I've never been. First time this year during a drought. And as we left, it started to just spit with rain and the joy on everybody's faces that the rain was coming. And now, as I say, I've always liked the rain, the sound of the rain, torrential rain. But it always makes me smile now that, and, and feel grateful for it because I've seen firsthand what life's like without it. You are very in tune with people and I know that you've really enjoyed making an impact on people's lives. And that's included people with cancer and, and all sorts of disease, hasn't it? Is that your really driving passion to make people feel better? Thank you, Helen. I think so. I think that's my path and my journey. I always think if someone comes to me and, and they ask for help, then that's what I'm there to do is to help them, however means. Sometimes it's through talking, sometimes it's through remedies, sometimes it's just listening. So it could be anything really, but I think that's my main purpose in life. Do you also think the pandemic's affected our desire for a more holistic, natural lifestyle and has given many of us a much bigger appreciation of nature? For sure. I think so. We were very lucky here in the UK where we could actually go out and do our daily exercise in the park. And I was so grateful for that. And I know that everyone else around me was very, very grateful for that. The fact that we could go and walk in nature was so healing. So I always say everything has a silver lining. And one of the ones of the pandemic was definitely that, along with cooking, feeding our bodies is a spiritual practice. So the food that we cook, the ingredients that we use, what we put inside our body, this is all part of who we are. So I think it made a huge difference in people and also the way we think. I don't know if you felt the same, but I think that it changed the way we think about the world and life and just general gratitude. It certainly makes us not take it for granted. And for me, I haven't really stopped since I was 17. So it's probably unpopular to say that I enjoyed the first few weeks of lockdown, but I did actually enjoy the first few weeks of lockdown, yeah. just being able to breathe and think and relax and read a book and not have places to go. You're a big believer in giving back in life and over the years have supported causes that have been very close to your heart. At the minute, who is the organic pharmacy supporting? For the past few years, we've supported the Princess Trust. I'm a huge believer in the sisterhood. I really, really love the sisterhood that I have, that the women who surround me and support me. And I think that as women, we really should support anyone that we can who is a younger woman trying to, to come through. And so the Princess Trust really resonated with me. They have a campaign called Women Supporting Women, which is for the young, underprivileged or struggling women who have come through difficult circumstances and need help. So that's one of the things that we have pledged to and will continue to pledge to. And just finally, I have a feeling that your life really slows down. Perhaps when you're on your yoga mat, it slows down a little bit. But what's next for you, Margot? I don't know. Oh, exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. We'll see. Everything is open in the world and 
I look forward to see what comes in next. Oh, I shall look forward. I shall be keeping watch as well. I've been, I've been a massive fan of the organic pharmacy for years and it's been actually a real treat to come and meet you and, uh, and chat to you. So thank, thank you, you very much for making time. Likewise, Helen. I'm, I'm really honoured and it was beautiful meeting you. You've been listening to Margot Moroney, co-founder of The Organic Pharmacy, entrepreneur, pharmacist, I love this list, homeopath, yogi, shaman, and truly inspiring woman. Don't forget you can download our series, which features more than 100 podcasts at convex.podbean.com or search The Convex Conversation on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple and Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to yours. We're going quiet in December to record more new episodes to kickstart your January. So enjoy the ones we've already published and I'll be back early in the new year. 